0: This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. All right, welcome back. We got Dr. Gray Carr. We're in class, but we're going to take a little detour because the, the, the world is on fire, actually. I, I think the world is on fire.
1: Mm.
0: And, and I need us to understand what's about to come next, because you, you could know that by what has happened, right? So in Minnesota, we see it's been burning. They burnt down a police station. Uh, Of course, it's all because they killed a brother that we witnessed online, you know, being killed to death by a state-sanctioned operative, you know, called the police, right? Yes. And three others, because if you you see the view from across the street, three men were on this brother, George Floyd's body, as he was gasping for air and calling for his mother and telling them that he couldn't breathe. Yes. Eight minutes. Seven plus minutes, they stood on his neck. So I, I, uh, so, 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 yeah. People are protesting. I don't believe all of the protests are organized by Black people. I no. think there's a lot going on. And no. and I initially thought the governor of Minnesota was saying the right things because when he got up there the first day after, uh, you know, the first protest, he was saying, "I understand the pain. I understand the da, da da da." And he was speaking in a way that I was like, "Oh, this this guy gets it." But you were telling me something, Dr. Carter, I think is important for us to process as you're watching the press conference. Mm-hmm. What are you saying?
1: Well, first of all, my dear sister, uh, Professor Hunter, I am thrilled to be with you again. And um, I've been watching, particularly the videos you posted on your YouTube channel. I mean, some of the most insightful commentary and interaction, particularly at this moment. And you're absolutely right. The world is on fire. Um, I think the governor did what the governor is supposed to do, uh, try to maintain order. But I also think that as this thing unfolds, and we see it unfolding every day, and of course, you and I both remember the Rodney King rebellions in 1992. Um, We're not old enough to remember what happened in the wake of 1968, when uh, 100 cities or more went up in smoke in the wake of the assassination of Martin Luther King. It was hundred. Oh yeah, over a hundred. No question. No question. It's parts of over a hundred city. In fact, it was very striking to look in North Minneapolis and then in St. Paul and see some of uh, the Black-owned businesses. In particular, I saw a sign on an Ethiopian business and I'm saying, you know, I'm a Pan-Africanist, so we're all African people, even though we're all different, we're all connected. And I, I looked and, I, and when, when I saw written on the board, Black-owned, at the Ethiopian restaurant I had to chuckle I said okay we black now all right I see you don't burn me up we're black now but but I'm I, I, because that's reminiscent of what happened even here in Washington DC as uh, a recent book called most of 14th street is gone at 14th and U, and then coming back towards uh 7th street which is now George Avenue that was uh, a heart of a black community the Shaw community Duke Ellington performed uh, in that area the Howard Theater and so many others there were two Black-owned businesses that survived in the wake of the King insurrection. Uh, one was Lee's Flower Shop, which is still there. Uh, the other is Ben's Chili Bowl, Ben Ali yes. uh, and his wife, you know, of course, uh, Miss Virginia Ali, who was still there. Man, that sister is, is swinging with both hands. in fact, delivering meals to Howard University Hospital as they fight people who are afflicted with COVID-19. Here comes Miss Virginia Ali and her crew from Ben's Chili Bowl, but they wrote Black-owned on their windows, and everybody knew. So even as African people struck out in their grief, in their and burned the place. And remember now, 14th Street, very important. That's where the uh, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee headquarters was. A Drum and Spear bookstore was there. So Stortley Carmichael and all these cats are out in the street. But DC was only one of many places: Detroit, Philadelphia, North Philly, Cecil B. Moore. I mean, you name it, of course. But that happened in the wake of 1968. But we see these insurrections have happened. And of course, 1967, Detroit, 1966, we see Newark and other places, 1965, the Watt section of uh, LA, because a cop decided to beat up a man and then jumped on his mama when it, when it jumped. Now millions of dollars of property go up in flames. But anyway, so what we're seeing now is not new in American history. But what Governor Waltz did uh, certainly is not. Well, there's a new and there's a not new. I like you. Uh, heard what he said initially, which of course the mayor of Minneapolis had led out with earlier in the week the tears, the understanding of the rage, the determination to punish those who are guilty. Although I, I do, I would, sh- I, I would, I shy away from the idea of using. The phrase justice for and then the name of a murder victim because none of us have the ability to restore life which would be justice or swap out the life of the murderer for the one who was murdered so there's no way to bring somebody back so unless somebody got the powers of jesus dealing with lazarus there is no justice for george floyd i mean he's a he's, he's an ancestor now but in that process we saw these government officials trying to communicate a sympathy why was that i think in the case of the mayor of minneapolis it was coming from a genuine place I think in the case of the governor of the state of Minnesota, it may have been coming from a genuine place in terms of a personal orientation. But let's be very clear, as managers, as elected officials, their number one responsibility is to maintain order. Now they may say in a press conference, it's to, you know, protect life. No, but they always are careful to include property because as we've discussed before, uh, the protection of property is the centerpiece. Paramount, it, yes. It, it is the number, it, that's basically what the United States Constitution is. They tacked on the Bill of Rights at the end, but let's be very clear, the United States Constitution is for all intents and purposes, a contract document. And at the heart of that document is the protection of property, personal property, real property. So their responsibility is to maintain order. And the function of the police, which we know comes out of the slave patrols in this country, the, the policing function in the United States of America comes out of enslavement. We know that. And out of enslavement and settler colonialism, because remember, as the United States moves westward, then, in fact, there's a, there's a new book, very interesting. <laughs> it's a great book. I just- Got my I, pen. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I can't get great, my pen. Walter Johnson, who is a great historian. Johnson is at Harvard. He's an interesting guy. He's written about slavery. He's written about a number of things. This book is called, let me see if I can get it here.
0: Yeah, because it's the light, the light yeah, is on let get,
1: it. Let me get the light. Okay. It's called The Broken Heart of America. I can't get it. All this. right,
0: that's all right. The Broken Heart. The I broken see Walter Johnson's me. name.
1: Yeah, well, in fact, let's do it like this. The, the Broken, broken heart, heart of America. I got it, uh, yep. And The Broken Heart of America, St. Louis, and the Violent History of the United States. It's very interesting. Johnson's thesis, which is really not completely original, there've been a number of books written actually about Matt. Matter of fact, his book sent me back to look at a bunch of these other books on St. Louis written by other scholars, including this uh, young brother right here who did a book a few years ago, Grassroots at the Gateway. This is Clarence Lang. See, the thing about it is, a lot of times when new books come out, you know, it's they're, they're selling books. So the blurbs on the back, this is the first exploration, but those of us who are constant readers know that it very rarely is it the first. And often the first discussions in this country about race and about these topics were by black scholars writing either for black presses or black publications or getting published and then being ignored. But now that it's popular, it becomes the first major study and people are basically saying what they don't know. But anyway, this is actually excellent book though. What what Walter Johnson does is explore how when this settler project gets to St. Louis, now we're talking about uh, Lewis and Clark and Sacagawea and York. York was the African who was enslaved by Lewis and Clark who went all the way to the Pacific Ocean. But St. Louis is like the gateway to the rest of the conquering the continent. So, And, and this, we won't get into it now, but because um, what he's really saying is the history of St. Louis, you can read the whole history of the United States as a settler colonial project of dispossession of land, of racial capitalism, and then you use force to maintain that order. And that's the function of the police. So whether it be the sheriffs in the West, keeping order in the little saloon towns, whether it be the army out there fighting against the Native Americans, the various nations who were not part of this agreement to have their land taken, or whether it be the patarollers and the slave patrols keeping order on the escape, on the enslaved Africans trying to prevent be, escape, like we talked about with Henry Bill. And then, after enslavement, becoming the force to maintain these landless blacks because you did not give them land as reparation. You now have them working on land they don't own. And to keep them in their place, you put in line all these social rules, all these Jim Crow laws, all this stuff. And who enforces that law? The police. The function of the police in this society is to maintain order through the exertion of physical violence, if necessary you got to intimidate people and you got to keep them in line with violence. So how does that connect to what, we, what we've been watching? The number one function of the mayors, the number one function of the governors is to maintain order through force if necessary. So, you know, and, and, and I, I want to pause here for a minute because I want to ask you about something that's directly related to this broad thesis. But I, I, I was thinking and I knew we would see each other. So I, want, I was going to ask you, when you see this young brother Yemenez. Karen, what went through your mind as the television cameras were rolling? His camera was rolling, and we see state violence committed on this black man standing in the middle of the street in Minneapolis. Did you, I mean... The CNN
0: reporter. Yes. It was interesting because they were saying this is going out live. Right. They did not care. And I felt the same way as I have been watching so many of these snuff films of our our folk being killed it's almost like there's an edict that nothing is going to happen to you if you do this to black bodies. That's right. There was That's a white a white counterpart reporter in a similar situation with a similar badge. He had his badge. He identified himself. You could hear him say wherever you need me to move I'm going to move. He was complying.
1: Kept saying it.
0: And they're handcuffing him and he's looking into the camera with his mask on and we're in a pandemic. We're in a pandemic. And and they're handcuffing him and he's looking incredulous and the people around him are like, "What what is happening? Right. And the governor said, I had to call, he got a call from the head of NBC, Jeff Zucker. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, CN- he used to be the head of NBC. He's now, excuse me, he used to be the head of NBC. He's now the head of CNN. Yes. And he had to immediately apologize and he had to. But that is standard operating procedure. Those people, those police officers were not acting as if this was unusual or that Definitely. they were doing something wrong, which is why this whole narrative of most cops are good and this and that, it wouldn't happen so frequently if this was a behavior that was not first condoned and sanctioned That's by right. the, you know, there's a, a letter from the Fraternal Order Police, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, all the 300,000 police officers are good, no. Mm-mm. this is the way y'all have operated or else there wouldn't be a string of black bodies in right. hashtag justice for, and I'm glad you, uh, you know, put that in perspective for us, yes. but we wouldn't have so many dead black bodies. We wouldn't have so many uh, black people in jail. That's we wouldn't right. have so many, you know, if this wasn't the way the system was supposed to op- operate. So that's what I felt.
1: Ooh. Do you know what? Thank you for that. Because what you just said, it's very important for all of us to understand this is the way the system is supposed to operate. That's what Walter Johnson is saying. That's what generations of scholars have said. And in fact, I think the finest scholar to explore this in detail is W.E.B. Du Bois. I think everybody could start with Black Reconstruction in America to understand the the, the broken heart of America that Walter Johnson t- In fact, Johnson quotes Du Bois five pages into this book. He says, I'm just following out on the path that Du Bois laid. And he absolutely did. So, but what you said was very important. This is the way it's supposed to operate. So un- if it's, if this is the way it's supposed to operate, a so-called good cop is an exception to the rule. Bad and police are equivalent. I mean, I was listening to, you know, you and Lurie as y'all were talking last week and I'm like, yeah, break this down. Why? Because when we think of law enforcement, we're talking about, individuals whose job is to maintain the system that exists, not to critique the system, not to treat people humanely, but to protect property and to maintain order through violence if necessary. So the idea of a good cop, and of course, we laugh thinking about the Fraternal Order of Police because we know those gangs are the primary. In fact, the reason that we know that the guy who killed this brother was not at the Trump rally is because The man who was at the Trump rally was the president of the Minneapolis uh, Fraternal Order Police. And he said, no, it wasn't him. It was a guy who was the head of the police union at another one of them little towns in Minnesota. So now he wasn't there. Okay, thank you, because both of y'all were there. But but the point (laughs) you're raising is very important. This is the way the system is supposed to exist. So Waltz, the governor, the mayor, both mayors, Minneapolis and St. Paul, and the young brother who's the mayor of St. Paul you graduate, Melvin Carter, grandfather was a red cap there in the Rondo community, well, at the train station in St. Paul. I've been to St. Paul. Uh, you know, St. Paul has a black community called Rondo, just like a lot of other places in the country. They ran the highway through there to destroy them, but a lot of those black people are still there. They're standing at the press conference, and these brothers, this guy Harrington, who's the uh, public safety officer, these guys are trapped. Why? I'm a black man. Keith Ellison, the state attorney general, used to be in Congress. I am a black man, but I'm an officer of the state at this point. And the National Guard guy and the governor are now beginning to sound like Bull Connor in the 1960s. What is the playbook when you want to enforce state violence? You look for an enemy. We need a common enemy. So these people out here in the streets, uh, they're not locals. Okay, so if they came from somewhere else to say, we are against state violence, does that disqualify them? They're not locals. Then they said, uh, we're getting reports, many people we are arrested are white nationalists. Okay, I can definitely believe that some people, because these guys want to set off a race war. And then they say, then they're also anarchists, Antifa and others. Uh, I don't know, they may even be terrorists. Okay, aha, pause.
0: What can we establish?
1: We can establish that you were not concerned with white nationalists when they stormed all your state capitals a couple of weeks ago with long rifles and caused in one case in Michigan the governor to cancel a meeting of the state legislature because they out there with their I didn't see any of you calling press conferences and saying we got to and and, and I love oh, and, calling in
0: and... the National Guard oh, the National call Guard. for the National Guard to come when the people were weaponized and
1: come on which, 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 but now here, here's what, like you said, this is where it gets real layered here, and that's why I said this conversation is so important for us because I mean, what do we see? We see uh, brother Michael Render uh, in Atlanta with the mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, we see brother uh, Clifford Harris with the mayor at, at, in Atlanta saying, Don't tear up the city. And I'm using Clifford Harris instead of TI, and I'm using Michael Render instead of Killer Mike because I want to contrast the fact that we have now started turning to uh, singers to athletes, and if you could imagine a George Clooney, if you could imagine a Brad Pitt being the one to call for, no, that's not gonna happen, why? Because in in the white structure we live in, white elected officials and white authority figures appointed or elected are in charge. In the black community, where are the ball players? Where are the musicians? Let's go get them. And I'm not saying people don't have platforms and they shouldn't speak, but we have to be very careful when we're in a situation like this to at least slow it down long enough to think. But you're right, they did not call out the National Guard because those people are protected by this white nationalism. But in this moment, and this is where we're going, in this moment, what we're facing is a force that number one is not organized. Let's just start right there, as Dr. King said, because Bernice King was at that press conference in Atlanta yesterday as well. A a riot, or what they call a riot, what some people call a rebellion or insurrection, is a is, is, is a is a form of expression for those who have not been heard, whose concerns have not been addressed. So one of the key elements of uprisings like this is spontaneity. That's why you can't really figure it out as a political act. This man was killed. I'm outraged. I want everything to burn. I'm going to burn the first thing. That, well, okay, it's like black on black violence or white on white violence. You're going to attack the thing that's closest to you. White people don't get in their cars and drive to black communities and uh, attack. Well, they uh-huh. don't. Well, I'm saying, <laughs> uh-huh. when, when you see the encounter. Right, 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 you know, right, no, you, just, know just what you know what, yeah. you're right. I shouldn't say it. Let, let me yes, say they it. They do get
0: more. in their cars. And <laughs> they do
1: get in their cars. In fact, let me, let me be a lot more accurate. Black people. Don't drive to white communities. So, well, to Rodeo Drive. Exactly. And get busy. And get busy, yes, and get they busy. Do not. no question. Even though when we both you know, read uh, Tony Morrison's Song of Solomon, we talk about the seven days. <laughs> but anyway, y'all can go look up something because <laughs> yeah. even Tony Morrison, at some point, somebody might have to disappear. We got to strike some fear in the heart. But at any rate, in the, the, point, the point I'm raising is that people commit violence generally toward those things or people who are closest to them. So when you see somebody burn up something in the black community, the expression of rage and the spontaneity with which it comes is often right there. And it usually starts in these cases where the act occurred. So you're in South Minneapolis. This brother Floyd was a bouncer, ironically, at the same club that this white boy that killed him was at from time to time as an off-duty cop picking up an extra uh, paycheck. But that community has a lot of black people in it. Minneapolis is about 60% white about 20% Black of all backgrounds, Somalis, Ethiopians, Africans who were here migrated. And then the rest are Latinx and a big Asian community as well. And by Asian, we mean even Southeast Asian. One of those cops, Hmong, H-M-O-N-G, you know, you got different groups there, right? So the the insurrections, the the spontaneous violence generates often from the epicenter of the act that triggered it. So, of course, that's what went up. There was a housing development being built. And they made a big deal the other day saying, oh, you know, this was uh, uh, affordable housing that burned up. Now, anybody who has studied migration patterns and understood, understands anything about commercial real estate and gentrification understands that affordable housing is not affordable. So, let's be clear. And you got money, so rebuild it. But the point is this they could tolerate a couple of days. And that's why you heard the conciliatory, you know, the crying. But now we have a problem, why? Not only is it not going away, this spontaneous insurrection is now spreading, spreading. right. And and we both remember 1992, and I was a graduate student at the time at Ohio State, I'll never forget. I was the graduate student in charge of the Black Cultural Center, the Frank Hale Black Cultural Center, and we had a big screen TV. And like a lot of HWCUs who are huge, like University of Texas, Austin, Ohio State at that time had about 55,000 students the black student population, the undergraduate student population was tiny. So those of us who were in law school or PhDs or medical school, we saw ourselves as big brothers and sisters to these young people. When I was in law school, I defended a lot of those kids when they put them out the dorm because they got in a fight, the law students would go over and defend these students. So when the Rodney King verdict was announced, we invited, we made sure that the Black Culture Center was open and we had all the young people come there because they were looking for a fight You know how this is. So at any rate. It was outrageous. It was outrageous. And and this is where I'm going, because this is where we see the similarities. I'll never forget. We're watching this on CNN. They burn up the SWAT meet. We see it on fire. Florence and Normandy. We see Reginald Denny pull out his truck, get this brick in the face. All this stuff is going on. And then CNN began reporting. This is all in real time. Uh, We understand that the Mall of America in Minneapolis has been uh, run through. Uh, We understand that underground Atlanta. Oh, we're getting reports. And then they took off the live reporting and started going to videotape and brought it back to the network anchors. Why? Because it was almost as if people were watching television and going to the streets and getting the queue. Oh, it's on. This is it. We remember what brother Malcolm said. We live in a powder keg and any one thing could be the thing to make this thing explode. Now we live in an age in 2020 where we don't have to watch television. You have have created a whole platform where any time of day or night, anywhere around the world, people go on, boom, boom, click, and can watch this conversation and then interact with it. Meaning what? We're now past the idea that you can control this by telling the TV anchors, hold on, take off the live footage. So now these state officials have a difficult thing because everybody Mm -hmm. can get on their social media and say, we're going to Minneapolis. So guess what? Hell yeah, a bunch of them from out of town. Wait, are some of them MAGA people? Are some of them white nationalists? Yeah, why? Because they too are probably one of the most organized groups and they're coming in to make this thing about something completely different because they've been trying to set off a, a, a race, race war. war since, since Manson. Since Manson, exactly. <laughs> since the Turner Diaries. Y'all remember yes. Timothy McVeigh, okay. Oklahoma yes. City. Come on yes. now. They've been, try- they've been training in the woods for this moment. Even though y'all ain't got enough guns if everybody black decide it's over. But at any rate, we don't want a race war. They want a race war. So they've come for that. Then you've got the Black Lives Matter substrata. Why? These are the people who are also organized, but they're organizing against state violence. They want the police abolished. And these are some of the most brave people. These yes. are the folks who in Ferguson are in the street. And then mm-hmm. these are the folks who said, we have learned from Ferguson. What do we learn? We learned that while we're out in the street, that other people will come in and try to make a brand out of this and try to make some money out of this and try to go do a white facing conversation. So they're not gonna be able to be governed by the fill in the blank social activists to get all the awards from Time Magazine. And, you know, we can talk about who those people are, but I'm saying, oh, they come, they gonna get a brick too. Why? Because we learn from Ferguson. we <laughs> all out here hustling. We don't deal right. with y'all. So right. you got that element. And then here's what makes Minneapolis so fascinating is 60% white, a lot of those elements are a number of white people are in them and some of the spontaneity is from white people. So you're watching the footage you're saying, wait, these are white people. So if or,
0: you... Or even so the, the first windows that were broken out at the auto zone Right. look like a cop.
1: Oh, listen, and here's where we... And here's look like here, a cop breaking right. out the windows. Come on, Karen. And this is where we have to be smart. This is why what you're doing is so important. Our people have to slow this down and learn from history, from study. I'm I'm not saying that we go take three months off and try to read everything. No, I'm saying become aware of what has happened in the past and study it enough to be able to recognize the system, recognize the rhythms, because we both remember the phrase agent provocateurs, from FBI days, the war between us and the Panthers, the battle the counterintelligence program, all the stuff that we know. So with the American Indian movement. People in Minnesota don't need to be reminded of that, in North and South Dakota. There will always be somebody in there to say, burn it down, who's working for the cops? And when we saw that video that footage of that white dude with the mask on smashing out, the, the umbrella, up, right? No question. This guy. If he's not on the federal payroll, there's somebody out there on the federal estate payroll and you can be the symbol of it. That's not what we're doing. But that having not been said. If you've got all those elements in the street, but you're the governor or you're the mayor, you're concerned that this might be the moment when this powder keg explodes. And the real issue, what we're really facing, this is the thing that has never been addressed. State violence, be, be it the police, be it policy that keeps people impoverished, be it a pandemic that forced everybody back to work for peanuts, be it an order to reopen the state that's going to throw millions of people off unemployment. This is the state violence that is the trigger. And then when a white man looks in the camera with his knee on a brother's neck and calmly and coolly executes him like he's a cockroach, then I'm going to burn everything because I don't have anything to lose. The real violence, is the state, but the response of the state in the face of the response to their violence is to enforce order. So now I gotta call out the National Guard. And as the governor said today, we don't have enough National Guard to do this. So taking their signal from the president of the United States, the chief white nationalist who says, you know, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, Echoing the former Miami police chief, 1967, the white boy that was like, oh, I don't care what they say. We're gonna shoot people. Echoing the former director of public safety in Birmingham, Bull Connor, who made the same thing. Oh, this is nothing but a bunch of outside agitators and communists and all this. Yeah, that's the language you generate before you pull the trigger on the thing that you really want to do. We're gonna have to shoot some of these people. We're gonna have to shoot them with rubber bullets maybe, or maybe not. We're gonna certainly be hitting them with, They've been hitting them with tear gas since Tuesday.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so, so, so the thing that that really disturbs me at this point. Well, let me, let me pause. Let me pause here. Atlanta, again, thinking about our brothers yesterday. I don't, I don't. Um, I'm very encouraged to see somebody like uh, Mike Render give an opinion that's informed by some study, by some serious organizing, by some work. I also think it's a mixed bag, because. He says, "I don't want to be here. I'm in Atlanta. I think, you know, we don't need to burn down our neighborhoods. We have 50 businesses owned by Black women. All of that's true." Then brother brother uh, Harris comes on, brother Ti, and he says, "You know, don't do this in Atlanta. This is our Wakanda." Pause. Now we have to pause. Why? And this, is, and this has come from somebody who at 55 years old started buying Black Panther comic books when I was 11 years old. It's probably, I, there may be a dozen Black Panther comic books I don't personally own. All his appearances everywhere and all this. Everybody, there is no Wakanda. Can we be very clear? Not only is Atlanta <laughs> not a Wakanda, there is no Wakanda. The premise of Wakanda in the comics is what would an African nation look like if colonialism had never invaded but if you know the history of Wakanda in the comic books, and you see a little bit in the movies, the Wakandans, their whole thing is, they don't interfere in the other African countries. Because remember why, when they put Marvel's Black Panther out, all the black people went to the movie and something happened that changed the Marvel Cinematic Universe and got Michael B. Jordan another movie deal. People went to the movie that was designed to have him cheer for Chadwick Boseman, and black people started cheering for Michael B. Jordan for Killmonger. Killmonger. <laughs> Killmonger is like, take these guns and let's go get our revenge. Black people were like, yeah. Marvel is like, oh, shit, we was, no, we was going to kill <laughs> that <guy. laughs> What just happened? Yeah, to you? Right. That is the class division. So when T.I. says that uh, Atlanta is our Wakanda, dude, don't jump too quick on that Chadwick Bozeman side. There's a Killmonger group. In Atlanta, that you come from, brother, that when Maynard Jackson was elected mayor, and then all them little black boys started disappearing, and a few girls too, and them child murders went down. If you see what happened, and I know you saw it, and we lived through that. You know, we were in high school, yeah. junior high school, when that thing went down. When that happened, what it exposed was the thing that has always been at the heart of Atlanta, specifically, and Black America in general, and that's the class divide. These poor black people in the projects where those kids disappeared, it doesn't belong to black people anymore. It was a housing project. Now it belongs to Georgia state because they cleared off the land and built wow. uh, And but, but who did it? Andrew Young, mayor of Atlanta for the 96 Atlanta Olympics. In other words, black poor black people in Atlanta don't have the same experience as people in Atlanta with money. So when you tell people don't tear up your own neighborhood, they looking at you like Maynard Jackson, right? Yeah, remember when Maynard Jackson was mayor and we had the sanitation strike and he tried to break the black union? Don't get cute with this. The black elite do not represent the interests of the black masses just because they black. That's why Marion mm-hmm. Barry was beloved in Washington, DC, because he was the mayor, but he never forgot his Mississippi roots. He never forgot the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And he said, every young person in this city will have a job. And if you want to write bonds with this city, you gonna give some of that money to black lawyers. If you're going to do business in this city, you're going to give it to these black owned businesses. Marion Barry understood that if you're going to have power, you've got to do it on behalf of the people. Sharp if, James in Newark as well. No question. So, and, and listen, you, in fact, let's pause here so we can be very okay. clear because okay. there are a lot of black mayors, there are a lot of black elected officials who, in the next few days and weeks, may, are going to be faced with a choice. Are you going to align with the forces of law and order who have never been for us? Or Are you going to figure out a way? And I could see Melvin Carter trying to do it at the press conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trying to figure out this young brother. What? Yeah, you know, because, yeah, you know, but, but let me let, help me with this because Sharp James is an excellent example, controversial figure in some yes. way complicated layered figure but why in newark did the people love sharp james even as they looking at Cory booker who's beloved outside of newark and saying now nah, bruh we ride with sharp james right or wrong what was it about that type of leadership that made people particularly working class and working poor people say no we ride with sharp james
0: i can only talk anecdotally i got yeah. my lifeguard license at a pool that sharp james built right in the middle of the hood in the middle of the worst hood i would drive there and swim and it was it was not just no aces in the summertime that thing would open up the roof would open up kids from ev- all around would be able to swim he had a rec center he built pools all over kids get to to train become lifeguards make 11 dollars an hour which 10 15 years ago 20 yeah, that was a lot of money right no question um, and 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 he was there he would show up he would show up and so that was his thing. He cared about athletics and, and that, the recreation. He made sure that that, that was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and while there's business to be had, of course, you know, the, it, but he started that whole waterfront, the waterfront projects that Cory Booker came in and was able to then use his Wall Street connections to, to build. Right. He put the people first. He yes. put the people first. And I think, again, I wasn't a Newark resident. My daddy was, you know, born and raised <laughs> in Newark. Uh, but I went there with a couple of friends of mine who were from Newark, and 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 nobody bothered us. You know what i'm saying it was it was it was for the kids there, and I got to swim with a bunch of kids. I was actually participating with somebody that was trying to learn how to swim. And I said, "I'll go with you, you know, to help <laughs> you learn how to swim. Um uh, and then I ended up taking this lifeguard class because it was just it was fun. But he was part of the community, and he actually cared about the people there, and you could see it, yes, and they believed it. And yeah, he was complicated. Yes. May- Maynard Jackson also had that program where to build the airport, you had to have co- contracts set aside. So oh, he, yes, wasn't, he, he wasn't totally, you know, oh, no. horrible at all. Yeah. Right, right. complicated in a different way than Sharp James and Marion Barry, who yes. had their vices, who had their corruption. <laughs> you know, listen, there are no perfect leaders. No question. But, but ultimately you need to feel like I matter to you. You know who I am. And moving into a, a, a low income housing project and rescuing a dog—no disrespect—it's no. a nice thing to do. Sure. And being and showing up every day is not being from a place.
1: No, no. You know. And even, and, even, go ahead. No, I'm sorry.
0: No, no. I'm saying even even you know I could I could rest on my daddy's laurels, but not really. I couldn't come into Newark, live there for a few years, and run for mayor. Even if I spent my my weekends there because my dad had a store for 18 years, and I was on Ridgewood and Madison with my grandmother, come you know, on. anytime. But but that still wouldn't give me enough to me bona fides or or you know it's 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 interesting as I watch Ross Baraka who's you know let me let me just say this um and we're gonna have many 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 conversations of course but I have awakened in the last several years to the notion that everything that most of us judge ourselves by is like Booker T through a lens of acceptance white acceptance and you know there's a white way to govern so when we become mayors or what have you or senators or governors we want to live up to a standard even our first reconstruction brothers who were in congress if you see their pictures they are they're not dressed in african garb They're dressed in the finest of clothing to look as erudite as possible, and they're they're all posed and positioned, and it was Booker T's goal that if we could just own property and make ourselves morally accountable to the Lord, and this Christian (laughs) ethic, that we would somehow be accepted as human beings, and it was a a nice notion, but it wasn't one that will ever pan out because they will never see us as people. So no. we're asking a system to treat us in a way that they've never seen us. That's right. And yeah. instead what we need to do is not be concerned about that. Because I don't see I don't see Asians being concerned about how you see them. They're What's like, the oh difference? well, they come in with their thousands of years of culture and exactly. understand language and
1: You just named the difference. Right. See, that's that's the difference and that's why What you just said is so important. The nation state is never questioned in these moments. So whether it be a pundit on CNN or writing for the New York Times or in the pages of the Atlantic, when they say, you know, it's it's what they would call white supremacy, as you say, white nationalism. No, no, the racism and we got to do something about inequality. We've got to reform. We've got to abolish policing. Okay. All that's great you've got to attack the root of this. The root of this is, is what Walter Johnson and many, many, many others, Du Bois and all of them are saying, settler colonialism, you dispossess people of land. Then you've created through a hyper capitalist system. Some people would just say drop hyper, a capitalist system, yeah. a level of exploitation so that those, that you only have a tiny number of slots. So in the case of Arras, as you say, good brother. Uh, Father and mother, of course, lifelong Newark people, obviously, uh, much respect to the great Amiri Amina Baraka. right, whole family. Once you are put, however, through elected or appointed into a political position in a capitalist system, your interests now must align with the owners of capital, which means, yes, Sharp James, I'm gonna develop the waterfront. What does develop mean? That means I'm gonna create business and I'm gonna bust my ass so that I can have a few of us Hopefully, many of us are Sharp James, a Maynard Jackson, a Coleman Young, a Marion Barry, all of them, right? I mean, Wilson Good in Philadelphia, Gary, Richard Hatcher. Wilson Good is
0: in mixed bags and nuts.
1: Well, but this is the point. All right. Continuum, though. Right. No hyper progressive mayor. Why? because right. the mayor is beholden to the developers and the bond issuers and all the big money people who got in. And then, but the person that put the mayor in is, and it's Keisha-, Keisha uh, um, Lance uh, Bottoms. Keisha Lance Bottoms in Atlanta, protege of, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, who was there before, uh, uh, Kasim Reed. You got a billion dollar stadium sitting right where it used to be a black community and then you knock down the old black church where Morehouse was started because they want parking lots and stuff like that. Look, man, I know you black. I know you depending on black boats, but I know that that capital came in and say, look, Negro, we're gonna make sure that your class is taken care of and five of your cousins, but the rest of them Negroes, we're gonna move them out the city of Atlanta. Those are the black people who when something like this jumps off, say, we don't give a damn if you black or white. I have nothing to lose. And in the meantime, every day of my life, when the mega bus pulls up in downtown Atlanta and the cop comes out and says, move along, that cop looked like me. So guess what? It ain't even the color of the cop. It's the function of the police. And when, so when, when an insurrection jumps off, the thing that's never critiqued is the nation state, is the system that not only allows this, but thrives on it. And that's why solutions to this cannot come from appeals from authority figures, cannot come from appeals from entertainers and athletes, but must come from attacking the problem at its source. People with property don't tear up property. People with jobs don't go out and destroy everything in part because those people have now have an investment that they can turn to the police and say, if y'all don't act right, we're getting rid of everybody. i gonna make a phone call. Powerless people will react out of that powerlessness. This is what King understood, and so I guess what I'm saying is that at the end, at the end of the day, what what you've been exploring over the last you know week or so as we I've been watching like yeah this is what, by giving voice not only to those frustrations but to the possibility of new language. We now can turn toward addressing this problem in ways that we have tried to solve before, and that means. We must now attack the system. And I watched Killer Mike. I mean, I watched this brother. right? I watched Brother Render. Tortured. Because he was trying to say, we must destroy the system at the same time as he's trying to say, don't, don't burn destroy the down. property. Right. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? Brother, he knows you can't yeah. get there. Those two right. things don't they're, fit together. They're incongruent. Yeah. They're incongruent. And meanwhile, the President of the United States is calling his troops out for a race war because he's trying to get another term. Those who have put him like Mitch McConnell there as we talked about a couple of weeks ago are determined to get that other term so they can finish packing the courts because it is the courts that say what the law is. And then at the local level where we do have an ability to step in and say, no, these young and old, these women and men who are elected officers, who are police chiefs, who are mayors, who are city council people, you're going to have to make a choice and you don't have a month to do it because the people are in the street now. The world is on fire. And so if you choose not to stand with us, please be prepared for capital to either remove you or move on up over you because the troops are gonna be in the streets in a very short order. And mm. at that point, we're past the conversation about anything other than survival. And I'm afraid, right. Karen, we're on that precipice. Yeah, right? no, I, I... there was a bus driver in New York Um,
0: Last night, they tried to, uh, the police, arrest a bunch of people at the Barclays Center, and they commandeered a public bus to put all of the people on to transport them to to the police station. Yes. The bus driver got off the bus and refused to drive.
1: That's what you do. He's like, I'm not participating. I'm not participating. And you know what? Wow. Now, that's powerful. That's that's why I asked you about Brother Yemenis. I mean, I've been that man. And I don't, I don't like to disaggregate this by gender because we talk about, oh, our black men are getting oh, killed. No, no, right, no. There is a dis- disproportionate no, impact on black men, male bodies. No, I agree. I agree. No, I don't disagree. No, of course. And, and the facts are there, whether I agreed with them or not. The facts are okay. the facts. Right. It's absolutely there. And, that, and that's an important thing too. A lot of times people argue over opinion, but the facts are the facts. That's exactly right. The reason I say I don't like to disaggregate is because like race is a constructed category. Often gender is used demographically to chop us up as if our interests are not inextricably bound right.
0: up. Right, people which is why up. it was so powerful when you talked about how Wells several weeks ago and, you know, she was black first. No question. I mean, you're not going to separate her from her blackness because there's a woman's movement. That's and right. you know I, I think that is powerful and I think you know our notions of gender and race and all of that has to all of that has to be dismantled it does. you know th- th- this weddedness and this this president uses this manhood I'm not wearing a, a mask because you know real men don't wear masks he doesn't say it but he's intimating that I'm a really strong man as a result of wearing a mask we have been indoctrinated into their ideal of what manhood if that's what manhood looks like and I just want brothers right now to to digest this alpha male thing that they're pushing out please if that's the alpha male a bloated and I'm, I'm, I'm you don't have to participate I'm just a bloated Which- narcissistic unattractive bald-headed fat and bloated and fat are two different things he's got you know inflammation and he's obese morbidly yeah. with a tiny penis we know that because stormy daniels told us his penis looks like a, the toe from the video game nintendo
1: come on now
0: who's never had to work, hands soft and buttery, never built anything, been bankrupt, wouldn't serve this country because he's a coward. Yes. Can't really get a date, gotta buy it. Gotta buy all his wives ain't from here except for Marla Mm. Maples and he had her pregnant out of wedlock while he was married to his other, morally bankrupt. Come on now. That's what manhood looks like. Is that something we should aspire to if you're a man? No, no. And and so I, I see us chasing an ideal in so many areas whether it's intellectually educationally language money lifestyles of the rich and fa- they 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 dangle things in front of us yes that are false leaders yes. that are empty em- empty vessels yes and i think it's time for us to re-examine all of the things that we believe oh women should be here be, you, they started that women in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant we are we aren't we are qualified to lead we can't that, that's not an African tradition. Nope. That's not nope. African at all. So the thing that I'm so grateful for, Dr. Carr, is I've read a little bit, but you've read a lot and your study goes deep. And as Uh-oh. we start to unearth the truth, I'm learning every day. I got my pen and paper right here because I'm like, wow, I've been brainwashed too to believe because we it's knee jerk. All of it. That's the default. Yes. Let, let's reprogram this computer. So. Yeah. Uh, in, in closing, you know, as we yeah. as we confront the National Guard showing up in several cities throughout this country, yes, what is your what is your message to folk who would like to go out and protest and who would like to to say something? Because we're in pain. The trauma is heavy. To watch one more, this is, to me it was the straw that broke the camel's back. To watch George Floyd take his last breath on film at the at the knee of someone who had so much disdain for his humanity that I can't even articulated right now without choking up. Mm. What's the message to us?
1: You know, in looking for hope in these moments, and this is part of it really, for everybody watching who's thinking about this, you know, part of it is having these honest conversations. That's a thing we can all do And, and, and own up to our feelings. But in addition to that, I'm looking for, you know, specific encouragement. Um, there was a GoFundMe page established by, you know, the Floyd family. And, you know, I looked on it to click on to donate. And I realized they already approached $3 million when I looked. Wow. And I said, okay, this is gonna pay for the lawyers. It's gonna make sure the kids get to go to school and this kind of thing. But then, and then, and then I thought, if we can do that, and I know th- those dollars are not all black dollars. I mean, they'd be predominantly black dollars, but I thought, if we can do that, We've demonstrated once again, goes back to the conversation you were having with my brother, Jerry Ball. You know, yeah, we're not organized, but Jerry's whole thing was, you know, black buying power is a myth. No, that's a little, that ain't what you mean. What you mean is we are not organized to invest our resources like we should. If we were organized, there would be a lot more power if we were connected. So one thing we can do, okay, you know what? We're gonna go to the protest. We're gonna speak our peace. We're gonna fight state power in the courts. We're gonna fight it outside the courts. We're also going to learn from history that they're lining up the army, they're lining up the military, they're lining up the weaponized police to come out here and try to shoot people and they won't be shooting randomly. They generate, we know this from counterintelligence program, we generate, we know from the FBI's initiative to deal with these, quote unquote, Black identity extremists, they got lists of targeted people. So now we got to protect Brittany Patton at all costs. Now we got to go out here and protect Tamika Mallory at all costs. Why? Because see, they looking to see, okay, is she there? Get her. In other words, y'all got a list of people y'all want to get. So we got to be smart about that. And then the thing we can do is begin to connect with the organizations connect with the institutions that are doing things in our community for our people, the lower down in the socioeconomic class, mm-hmm. the better, and contribute to them like we've contributed to the, the Floyd family. This is our moment to be smart. And yes. that requires beginning thinking about this, because if we don't have land we own, if we don't have institutions we own, if we don't have collective strength that we've shown through laboring and working together, then the state does whatever the hell it wants to do. A man will not kill you in broad daylight if he is in fear for the light, his life. And by that, I don't mean his physical life. I don't mean that. I mean, you don't have no money. You don't have no job and ain't enough police to surround your house forever. And guess what? We don't want it anyway. Why? You see that property over there? What? We own everything you can see, and you will stay off this property because we didn't bought the mayor. We don't even get down who the mayor is. The mayor works for us. We've got to now begin to think that way because the nation state is not going to be sustainable in this country. I can I tell agree. you Karen, It's going to fracture, and it's fracturing now. But we may live it. to see it. Yeah, we're watching it, and then when it fractures, they're not going to have enough police. The governor of Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota said that in the recent press conference. They don't have enough police. They don't have enough National Guard, but as it fractures, they will burn it themselves before they give it over to the poor. Before we've they seen give that. It over. Like they we've be, seen that. Absolutely. So now's the time right. to be smart. That would be my okay. message in us talking.
0: All right. I appreciate your message. All right. You, we're going to talk some other talk. We got to get our history lesson in this week uh, yes. as well. But I thank you for that. And uh, we're going to talk again in a moment. All right. Yes. Dr. Gray Carr, in class with Carr. I'm Karen <laughs> Hunter. We'll see y'all later.